Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the 1871 podcast and obviously it wasn't a very good weekend for Reading to say the least so we'll be discussing that on this episode and we'll also be looking at the Royal Slim survival hopes and they are looking very slim now so we'll come to that but the 1871 podcast has something for you this week that we can hope will lift the spirits a little bit for Reading fans Um, and the reason for that is because we've got not one not two but not even three, but four Reading legends for you on the 1871 podcast this week. So we'll shortly be speaking to former Reading midfielder Simon Osborne, who is still considered to be one of the greatest Reading midfielders of all time. And then on tomorrow's episode, we'll be joined by Reading's all-time top appearance maker, Martin Hicks. And then on Thursday, we're joined by one of Reading's greatest goal scorers, if not the greatest goal scorer for Reading of all time, Trevor Senior. And I said we've got four Reading legends for you this week. And that's because on tonight's episode, we welcome back our co-host, Dylan Kerr. So looking forward to speaking to Dylan. Um, And that's not all. Coming soon on the 1871 podcast, we're hoping to be joined by two more Reading legends, Adam LaFondra and Phil Parkinson. We haven't got those confirmed yet, but they've both said yes. So we're looking to... uh, Get the dates booked in for those. So looking forward to that. So that's all coming up on the 1871 podcast. And talking of Phil Parkinson, congratulations to Phil and his Wrexham side for winning the National League title and securing promotion to League Two with a very impressive 111 points. So congratulations to Phil. And staying on the subject of Reading Legends, before we speak to Simon Osborne and before we get into the current situation with Reading, let's come to Dylan Kerr because as well as being a Reading legend in the Hall of Fame as a player, uh, he's also a legend as a manager. So statistically, Dylan is currently one of the most successful head coaches in world football with seven trophies in three countries since 2014. He saved four clubs from relegation in the South African Premier Division and he's taken his current side, Marumo Gallants, 
out of the South African Premier Division relegation zone. And on Sunday, Gallants beat last season's Egyptian Premier League runners-up Pyramids 1-0 to book a place in the semi-finals of the CAF Confederation Cup, which is Africa's equivalent of the Europa League. So, Dylan, I can see your head getting a bit bigger. (laughs) Um, So, firstly, congratulations to you. And secondly, a lot of Reading fans think that you should be the next Reading manager. So, tell us what's your secret. Crikey, that's a million-dollar question, that secret. Secret's just as... Probably Aussie will, you know, confirm. It's just, you know, I, I I just love the game. I just love, you know, playing football, watching football, and you know, I just I just bring this mentality of enjoyment to the to to the game wherever I've been. Uh, especially, it's always been to keep teams up, and uh, this is no different. Even though it's five games less than I had to the previous uh, four teams. Uh, and we've had this horrendous fixture list where tomorrow it's our eighth game in 26 days. And we've travelled to Egypt and we've also played uh, CAF games and uh, Premier League games in Bloemfontein, which is uh, a 10-hour drive from where we are based in Polokwane. So we've done a lot of tri- uh, uh, travelling and it's, it's it's just been amazing and the, the fact that we beat Pyramids, who, as you said, last year were runners up, were third in the uh, Premier League in, in Egypt, uh, as we speak. And we, we we weren't fancied at all. And the, the Egyptians, after the game, you could see they, they were absolutely devastated that they'd actually been beaten. You know, and uh, we've now got a game tomorrow, which is probably the biggest game of our season. Against Manchester United, who are bottom of the league, three points behind us. If we win tomorrow, we we cannot be, get relegated. We're still in with a chance of you know possibly in the relegation playoffs. But um, if we win tomorrow, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic uh, achievement for for what we've where we've been in this past month <laughs> just alone. Yeah, we well, wish you well with that, Dylan, and and for the rest of the season for those remaining games, and of course in the semi-finals of the CAF Confederation Cup. Um, excuse me. And talking of legends, let's now bring in our other 1871 podcast co-host now, the voice of BBC Radio Berkshire, keeps getting invited to represent the 1871 podcast to talk about Reading. So, Johnny Hunt, hello, how are you? Sorry, you- that was just, I'm there. Sorry, my little one was just in the background, so I muted oh, okay. Um, right. Yeah, no, brilliant, Dylan. Congratulations, mate. Keep up the good work. All right, and Johnny, uh, before we speak to Simon, um, let's talk about Reading. What did you make of the draw against Wigan on Saturday? You were there, weren't you? Flew yeah, over to yeah. England for yeah. that. Yeah. Sorry. So tell us what you thought of the game. Yeah, sorry, I've got a little one here. It's just very importantly with the LOL goals. See, this is a tough job <laughs> of the day, putting dolls together. Multitasking. Multitasking. There's no end to my ability, except doing this one. Um, Look, it was a great day to go and see football, see people. Um, but the game itself was... I can't believe I'm doing this over there. It was, it was puff and puff. I can't do it. Just two seconds. Um, come back to me in a second, mate. Hold on. Yeah, I'll come back to you, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. John was, uh, as he sometimes is, he's multitasking with um, 1871 podcast and childcare. So uh, we'll come back to you in a second. So look, 
here's how things stand for Reading and, and let's look at what happened at the weekend. So Reading drew one all with Wigan. Yaku Mite got a stoppage time equaliser. Um, obviously, we needed to win that game, really. So a bit of a blow, to say the least. Then on Sunday, we were hoping Cardiff would do us a favour. Um, Huddersfield beat them 2-1 at Cardiff. Um, so that didn't help Reading. And then on Monday, yesterday, Rotherham beat Middlesbrough, um, who had 10 men, 1-0. So Rotherham are safe. So it's between Huddersfield and Reading now. Huddersfield are in the driving seat. And if Huddersfield beat Sheffield United on Thursday, Reading are relegated. Um, if, sorry, or get a draw. So... Um, the only chance of Reading staying up now is if Huddersfield lose at home to Sheffield United on Thursday. Um, if not, they're down. If they do lose to Sheffield United, um, then it goes to the last game. Uh, Andy Carroll's back for Reading. It might not make a difference at all, but it's Huddersfield v Reading on Monday in the last game. So here's how it stands. Here, here's what needs to happen for Reading to have any chance of staying up. So if Huddersfield avoid defeat on Thursday against Sheffield United, Reading are relegated. If Huddersfield lose on Thursday and Reading beat them on Monday, Reading are safe. And that's because Huddersfield are currently three points ahead of Reading with a minus 18 goal difference and Reading have a minus 20 goal difference. So if Huddersfield lose their last two games, their goal difference will be minus 20 or worse. And a win for Reading against Huddersfield means that Reading would be on minus 19 or better. So basically, if Huddersfield lose their next two, next two games, Reading are safe. If Huddersfield get a point from their next two games, Reading are down. So um, that's um, that's the long and the short of it, Johnny. And uh, we've got you back now, haven't we? Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, look, <laughs> nobody's doing us a favour, are they? I mean, it's down to Sheffield United now. Who've got some some record? I think I saw it. if they beat, um, it does some record that Warnock had at Sheffield United. So there's a big strong touching out there that will they'll win. Then we've actually got to go and win, which is not actually that uh, likely as well at the minute. Um, Saturday was Saturday was okay. Like it's just there's just not enough quality there, and you know you can't beat a bottom team for a game like that, it shows you where you're at. It's not from the players' lack of effort or, you know, willingness. It's just we don't have the ability. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, Johnny. And um, I think, obviously, six-point deduction. Um, Reading have, have had injuries and Andy Carroll's been suspended. Excuse me. Um, but I think it does come down to lack of quality. We have, a, we have had, not a bounce, really, but Noel Hunt, it's been a bit more positive um, yeah. since he's been in charge, but ultimately it doesn't look like it's going to be good enough. I think even, you know, I, I think probably the chances are it'll be all over on Thursday and we, we go to Huddersfield needing a win. I'm not sure, you know, Huddersfield are, are going to slip up and, and let Red in, uh, in, the, in the back door, so to speak. Um, although it'd be nice for Andy Carroll to get a last-minute winner, send Huddersfield down, keep Reading up. But let's see. Um, I want to bring in Simon Osborne now. So, Simon, welcome to the 1871 podcast. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Jens. How are we? You all good? Yeah, and uh, nice to see you in your back garden there. I think you're, you're on a job <laughs> somewhere in London, aren't you, at the minute? 
I am, yes. I'm in a job in uh, in Chelsea at the moment, so just uh, just here. So excuse excuse the background. It's quite quite nice. It's, it's reasonably quiet, and it's it's not sunny, but we can live with this. It's not raining, so that's a bonus of how yeah. it's been lately. So it's all good. But uh, yeah, while we're here, congratulations, Dill. You're you're doing well again for a change. You may get yeah, a job. Back, you may get a job back in England at some point, but it, let's just stay the merry-go-round. <laughs> but we won't get into that. That's another separate podcast. That one. Uh, yeah. that'll be a job working for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. exactly all right well look simon we we do want to talk about your your time at reading you were on in series 1 and and talked a lot about that but before we we chat about your memories of your time at reading and as i say you know regarded by many reading fans as one of the greatest midfielders in the club's history no no two ways about that um just wanted to get your take on the current situation at Reading because during your time at the club, it, it was just such a, a, you know, dynamic team to watch as a Reading fan. You had so much success. You were at Reading for one season before, um, before you moved on to QPR, but that was, that was such a fantastic season. Obviously it didn't end well uh, in that playoff final, but um, Reading have sort of gone through some changes since you left. So John Medeski, um obviously the magnificent work that he did to to get Reading up into the the Premier League, and then you know other owners have come in and it's gone downhill, and it, it looks like this might be the end of the the current chapter for Reading and possible, very possible relegation to League One. Um, what what do you make of what's happened in recent years for Reading and and you know how that's culminated in what's happened this season? I just think you know you kind of mentioned it there the new owners the instability um, you know there's a lot of changing. Um, I'll be honest, with you, I don't think there's a clear direction. I almost feel like you know you're still around sort of supporters of football club and and you know talking to people and it just feels like there's almost a you know a a breakaway from the fans and the players now, it just doesn't seem to be that connection. And for such a, for such a great club and obviously with, with what Sir John did at the time and, you know, with the stadium and everything else with there, it just feels like, you know, everybody's sort of sitting there going, it's too big a club to go down. Well, you know, Wolves have done it. Other clubs have done it. I've played for and gone down those divisions. And I just think at the moment, there's obviously, you know, staved it off last year, had a decent start this season. Everyone's a bit of optimism, maybe. But I think the, the bottom line is the quality, um, the quality of the football and the quality of the player at the moment is obviously not up to scratch. Um, you know, Paul Ince has came in and got, got the job from last year. A bit of a strange appointment at the time, not been in football for a while. Um, and a lot of people were sceptical. He kept the club up, you know, and, and his season started reasonably well. So I think that that changed a few perceptions of people. But but since sort of uh, the early part of the season, it's been it's been pretty dire. And talking to people, you know, I think... Fans can accept some results, um, but they certainly can't accept some performances if they don't feel that the, the players are giving their all or, or, or playing for the badge. And I think sometimes, I think you could probably throw that towards the players of what they've been getting at. But again, there's, lo- there's lots of other things that come into a football club. Dylan will tell you more about that, the politics behind the scenes and and all that. That that does filter down into to dressing rooms. Uh, there's no two ways about that. And um, maybe that's that's what's happened. And Somewhere along the line, there's going to be a. The, the, this is going to culminate. You know, Huddersfield have bought in and experienced Mr. Warnock again to do his little bit of magic, and he's dragged them up to where they are now because they were kind of dead and buried uh, four weeks ago. Um, and again, it's, it's it's quite a sign. It's it's how he's changed that football club. I don't think he'd have gone in there and done a lot different. 
you know, obviously Noel's come in and done his little bits and tried to to galvanise the squad in a very difficult time. Neil's probably just gone in and brought a bit of um, a bit of a fresh impetus in there. He, he's freshened it up. He's probably made it quite a chirpy place, uh, and they've picked up results. And it, it's very difficult on a when you're on that sort of downward spiral to to drag yourselves back out of it. So it's going to be tough. Um, Sheffield United, obviously, I think will probably beat Huddersfield on Thursday. Purely again, I think there is some record of, of I can't think of his points or promotion as Johnny mentioned, but um, that just drags it down to the, to the very last game of the season where it, it's certainly the pressure is going to be on for both clubs, but I think more so um, more so for, for Reading, really, away from home and, and, and going up against a side that's above them and needing a win. Uh, and what, what's your gut feeling? Do you think um, a lot of fans, Reading fans, seem to be resigned to relegation now? A lot of Reading fans saying, oh, that'd be a disaster... But obviously, some of the the greatest seasons in, in Reading's history over the last sort of 20, 30, 40 years have been coming up from that level and going into what's now the championship. Obviously, you know, Reading did it and then you came in and um, that Jamie Curitan goal that got Reading promoted. Those are some of the, the greatest memories that, that Reading fans have. And ultimately, you want to see a winning team. You don't want to be battling against relegation. So... Kind of, if if we do go down, yes, it might take us a long time to get back up again. But you would hope that Reading can sort of have a reset and and then maybe get a bit of momentum because that team that Dylan was part of, that won the league and went up into what is now the Championship, and then you joined, carried on that momentum, and you know any other season would have gone straight up to the Premier League. So, what are your thoughts about? You know, what's your gut feeling? Do you think Reading can do it? And and if if they do get relegated, what does the sort of near the short term future look like for Reading? Do you think, Simon? Well, again, I think it's if you've got a direction. If if you know, it's no point planning for relegation right now because you're still within you know a, a chance of staying up. But there's certainly got to be some changes made around the football club to to bring that that back in and if the worst does happen they go down again what what are you going to do about it what's the philosophy where are you going to what kind of manager you've got to make all those decisions are you going to look to bring in a younger squad and, and bring some players into the academy which Reading have had pretty good success with a longer time so there's a, there's a massive uh, there's a massive change that needs to happen and again as I said to you I'm using Wolves as a perfect example they dropped down two divisions um, had a bit of a reset uh, went back into it and then jumped back up and are now in a premiership and pretty much established in there so it's not that it can't happen. And it, yeah, there is a lot of doom and gloom and relegation. Don't get me wrong, it's happened to me before. Um, but the direction going forward needs to be clear. And at the moment, I think there isn't a direction. I don't, I don't see a direction. I don't see a direction behind the scenes and I don't see a direction at the moment. And that's not a disrespect to Noel. Um, coming as a caretaker at a late stage is not an easy thing to do. Um, and I just think that somewhere along the line, it needs to be clear, uh, precise and map out the next sort of three or four years of where they're going to be and where they're going to get to. Is it a straight bounce back or are we going to look to rebuild, regroup and, and within the next two seasons get ourselves back in the championship and look to push on because there's such a divide now between the premiership and the championship. And then again, there's even a divide now between that championship and, and League One. So it's, it's understanding why it's happened, uh, looking at the reasons behind it and then trying to push on from that, I think. Yeah, Simon, I've got one more question for you then I'm, Going to bring uh, Dylan and Johnny in. Um, looking ahead, so obviously a bit depends on whether we stay in the Championship or whether we're going to be in League One. But looking ahead to the manager situation at Reading, 
Noel Hunt, inexperienced manager. He's come in on an interim basis. It's a bit better than it was under Paul Ince, but, you know, that's to do with the spirit. You can see a bit of a, a better kind of spirit around the club. There's a slight bit of hope for Reading fans. He seems to be a more positive person than, than Paul Ince, so that's had a little bit of an impact. But in terms of the type of manager that, that Reading need to take them forward, whether it's Championship or League One. I mean, we, we're ambassadors for Dylan Kerr, and that's partly because, you know, we like Dylan, he's on the podcast. But if you look at his record, yes, it's in other countries, but he's been successful wherever he's gone, whether it's winning titles, winning trophies, keeping teams up. Um, you know, take away any anything else. But if you look at his track record... Do Reading, do Reading need somebody like that? I, I mean, you know, John, John O'Shea's been mentioned. He's he's very inexperienced as a manager. And, you know, look, it's another Man United player that's um, got a connection with Reading this time. But would somebody like John O'Shea, he seems to be one of the favourites, wouldn't, wouldn't you want somebody like Dylan Kerr, who's got that track record, albeit in other countries? Listen, we're biased to be honest here, we are biased and we're biased because he's he's achieved things in other countries. The problem you get within this country, obviously I'm not in, within football anymore, I coach on a, an academy in that city, is that sometimes you need to be given a chance to gain some experience, which I understand it's a catch-22 situation, you're inexperienced until you get experience. Um, but yeah, you know, this is the whole thing about it. You need to instill a philosophy and you need to understand what you're going to do. Would Dylan Kerr be a good manager at Reading? I'm sure he wouldn't do he'd do a good job and he wouldn't be as bad as some of the other managers. I know that for a fact because I know what Dylan's like as a person and I know what he's like as a manager and I'm sure he'd instill that and he'd certainly bring the fun factor back to the football club and re-engage the fans with the players. That's that's a given. The problem you've got is that you can't get past the bureaucracy and the people that sit in front of these that, you know, Dylan will tell you a million times on this podcast. I bet he doesn't doesn't get response after the time if he applies for a job. Yet the same merry-go-round goes on and on and on. And we go back through the same old, same old, same old. You know, I, I'm not saying people are bad managers. They have, you know, you get sacked, you get another job. It's great. No problem at all. It's the only job in the world, to be fair, where you can get sacked, get paid off and get another job within four weeks. It's brilliant. Um, but the problem you've got is until someone takes that gamble, it's very, very difficult. And Dylan will tell you that to get himself back in that, back in the doorstep there, you know. People like, you know, Phil Parker's in this world who's been around he'll be talked about again but at the moment would he leave Wrexham with all due respect to go to Reading Football Club I don't think he would do you no I don't I'm going to bring in Dylan now I mean Dylan you you've already said that you'd love to to manage Reading and we'd love to see you you know swim across the sea and down the River Thames and on all those things that you've promised if you do get the chance but um you're pretty pessimistic about it actually happening aren't you I just you know, like Ozzy just said, you know, um, you know, it's it's it, 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 it's it's scary to, fi- to to figure out that you know you 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 get rewarded in this in this business, especially in England and Scotland, uh, for failure. You know, and I don't I don't get how you know a manager that's failed not once, twice, three, sometimes four or five times, you know, chairman get kind of. I don't know if it's hoodwinked or caught, caught up in the moment with the name uh, that this this coach is going to do something different. You know, going to do do something better. Okay, maybe once or twice, yeah. You know, because some some coaches have been fired 
and then they've gone on to do you know bigger and better things. But three, four, five times, you're thinking, well, you know, <laughs> what's their thinking? Um, I'm not saying that I, you know I'm going to be the next ready manager. I'm not going to say that I'm you know I'm 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 the best man for the job. Uh, what I'm saying is that it'd be nice to actually speak to a club to actually put my point of view over. Um, and and then if they say no, you know you're not you know you've not got the job, then you know that you've not done a good job in your presentation and in your interview. You know, so I remember uh, when Mark McGee got the Reading job. You know, uh, Mr. Medeski or Sir John. Um, you know, was impressed with you know what he had to say. You know, and he, and he was a rookie. You know, as we as uh, Graham Denton said, he was still playing at Newcastle. Yeah, in the and the retiring came to to Reading and. And and did very very well and like I say it's you know it's you know I'll keep I'll keep trying you know once the once the, the day I stop trying then that's the day when I'll walk away from football and 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 I can't see that ever happening uh, but uh, as well as that I know that sometimes you get disappointed when you don't receive a reply or you don't see receive an acknowledgement that you know thank you for your application letter. As they used to do in the olden days, you know, it's just you know cast aside and and and, and put in the bin. So yeah, so um, whoever they appoint, I see that Richie Wellens um, is is now favourite um, on Twitter. You know that uh, yeah, apparently he's he's the, the next man lined up for Reading Football Club. Brilliant, you know, you you're not, you're not going to knock that. But again, again, you know, if they do get relegated. They've got to rebuild, get back into the championship ASAP. And if they stay in the Premier League, they uh, sorry, if they stay in the championship, then they have got to <laughs> do an even bigger reconstruction and make sure that they don't be in the position that they're in uh, uh, this year. So, you know, it's it's, it's 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 difficult, you know, for 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 me as a coach to see Reading Football Club where it is and to go back to the champion uh, to the to League One where me and Ozzy actually started. Um, at Reading Football Club, you know it would uh, it, it would be it's not too good. It's not too good for the club. Yeah, uh, Johnny, I'll bring you in now. What what do you want to uh, ask Simon either about the the current side or or his time at Reading and maybe some of the differences between you know back then and and now? I was going to say both Dylan and Simon. If Dylan's listening, like back then, obviously, like now, do you think there's so much money in football that people don't gamble on younger managers? They go, oh, we tried the, the Steve Bruce's because it's better the devil you know, it's tried and tested. Whereas when you had Mark McGee, Colin Lee, it was very much a different expectation. What do you think? Dylan probably knows better than I do about that, Johnny, if I'm honest with you. But I, I, I can see now that the chairman and, and people that make the decisions will be, I think it was somebody who was talking on, on, on TalkSport and there are other... Uh, radio programs as well, just to let you know that. And they were, Tim Sherwood, it was, by the way, was speaking about it. And he said, people get blown away by presentations and all these buzzwords about transitions and half spaces and pocket. Where football's not changed. Football hasn't changed. Um, the formations are still the same. The players are still the same. There's just better science to it now. And it's actually, you know, it's it's changed a lot for the good. But there are some fundamentals from the older generation of football that have changed and it's different and as I said to you now it's it's just these chairmen will go am I going to take a chance can I gamble with a young manager 
or can I gamble with an inexperienced manager? And I think they're they're more liable to to err on the side of caution nowadays because they're answering to other people. Whereas, you know, Sir John Madeski and Grand Denton were the, were the main men who basically went, listen, he's inexperienced. You know, where are we going to go? What current is out there on the market? Let's give it a go. And and yeah. you know, it worked. And I think that's the, that's the difference now, isn't it? It's you know, you need your your A license, you need this. And um, there's the guy in France, I can't think of his name at the moment, who's coaching in League League One, who has no UEFA, who's doing a fantastic job, and the club gets fined 30 grand every Now, that's a massive, bold decision by the football club to do that. But he must have impressed them, and he's obviously a very good coach. Yeah. And I think by doing that, you know, as I said to you, the, the coaches nowadays, or managers nowadays, are a lot of different. There's a lot more going on at a football club than back in the day of Mark McGee and Colin Lee. There's 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 so much more to it. And Dylan, again, would be able to sort of... Um, tell you more about that but I just think the fundamentals are you're trying to get the best out of your players and, and a lot of that is man management Do you think there's too many people involved now in, in clubs you know too much behind the scenes whereas in your, your day you had just like the manager and the assistant maybe a couple others but it was more of a close community or close family Yeah I think it gets diluted the more people involved in it directors of football I understand it at the, at the, at the very top of the very Premier League because you know, you'll be sitting there and you'll be trying to highlight what you're doing in the next year and so on. But again, the football club lives and dies by the manager, the coach, the academy guys. There's a tight knit of scouts. You know, there there tends to be a tight knit. I mean, probably nowadays, I don't know how many scouts really now, but I don't know how many academy managers you have. You know, I think it gets a little bit disjointed somewhere that um, there's not that continuity all the way through. So, yes, I think there's probably too many, um, and I think the first team. Um, again, I'm a big advocate for reserve team football. I, I don't believe that this academy system, in my eyes, this under-23 stuff works. Just just my opinion. Um, and I think reserve team football with some experienced players and some young guys brings people on far quicker. Simon, so, I'll just take you back to your time at Reading when you, when you came in. Um, you know, you talked about fundamentally football's the same, but obviously there's been a lot of changes with the technology and all that sort of thing. But going back, what was it, you know, what was your, your first impression? Why, why did you join Reading? And, and then when you joined Reading, you know, just got promoted. Um, what was your feeling about the, the season ahead? Obviously that fantastic season nearly, you know, did enough to get promoted to the Premier League. In any other season, you would have gone up, but there was the restructure. Finished second, obviously lost in the playoff final. Um, you know what? What was your feeling about why? You know why did you make that decision to join Reading, and what was your kind of first impression about the club when you joined? Well, I'd obviously I was at Palace, and my contract was coming to an end. Um, and as Colin mentioned, Colin Lee mentioned in the podcast, I was um, I played in a charity a, a testimonial game at the end of the season over at Brentford. I then came back to Palace the following season. I was under the age of 23, so I wasn't a free transfer. Um, some discussions went on. We'd got promoted to the Premier League. I didn't play much towards the end of the season. I had a bit of a fallout with the manager. And I just felt at that particular time, I'd been at Palace since I was a, a, an apprentice. And I just felt that I, I wanted to play more. I wanted to play every week. Uh, I wanted a manager that had a bit more trust in me. So I went across to Reading, obviously came across for a week or so trained with Reading. We played a game at Whitney, I think it was. Um, I played, there was two games at a time. I then had to go back to Palace. Just got to the club. It was, there was a feel-good factor around it. They just got promoted. The training ground was lovely. You claimed your own kit, which was fine. But it was a real 
you know, the players there, I just enjoyed it, you know, and, and Colin and Mark, the way they'd spoken to me about how they saw the team, how they saw me. Um, it just was a brush of fresh air to me. You know, we want to sort of half build a team around you in the midfield, blah, blah, blah. We want to give you this responsibility. It was all the kind of stuff that I wanted to hear and I just wanted to play. Um, I could have sat at Palace and sat in the Premier League, but it just wasn't me. So came across, trained. They're desperate to get it done. I had to go back to Palace until we could agree the sort of the sort of finance side of it. And I signed the week before the season started. So it was for me, it was it was it was the catapult again for my career to sort of re kickstart it. And again, it was a club that were going places I felt, you know, obviously, you know, the DL Ground Elm Park wasn't, you know, it wasn't Sellers Park or whatever, but it was an old ground. It was a feel good factor. I, I the players there were honest. Um you know, place like p- players like Dylan, you know, A.D. Williams, Shaka was there, you know, Jeff Hopkins, who I knew for Palace. So there was there was a real good core of some younger guys uh, and some experienced pros who just wanted to work hard and enjoy each other company and play. And that was for me, that was that was just what I wanted at the right time in my career. Yeah. And Dylan, I want to bring you back in now. What was your first impression of Simon when when he came in and, and knowing that you'd be playing with with that sort of player in? In, in midfield, what what were your first impressions of Simon? Well, obviously, you know, he, he, we didn't know much about Simon. You know, um, I, I, you know, I wasn't interested in teams from London. You know, it was always Barnsley, Rotherham, Sheffield United. It was, it was all the Yorkshire teams. So when he came, um, you know, he, I just laughed. He was a cheeky little bastard. Honestly, it was fucking brilliant. Sorry, I'm swearing, but it were. It was absolutely brilliant, you know, and we 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 just fucking hit it off straight on. Sorry, I'm swearing, but it it, it was brilliant, you know. I just I I I'd never even I'd spoke to the guy maybe a couple of times, and it, we we just we just clicked. I mean, I don't know, you know, he probably got fed up of me chapping chirping to him about him being a soft southern shandy drinker. Um, <laughs> but no, it was you know we 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 just I don't know we, we just clicked we just clicked and. And, and and we're still clicking to this day, and and he probably gets fed up of me, you know, calling him and you know, ha, you know, hammering his family about being, you know, jelly deal, uh, mashing liquor, yeah. liquor eaters. <laughs> so, but no, honestly, it, it, it was it, it it was just it was just something that I would never expected. Uh, as a player, you 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 know your acquaintances, you're not team your teammates and acquaintances as they say, you're not really friends, but. You know, he's, he's probably in, in football my best friend in football, and unfortunately, you know, I only see him uh, once every blue moon. You know, when I go down to London, because he he's scared to go past Watford, um, scared <laughs> to go. A bit. I, know, I, I know, I know the Midlands were, were was a bit was a bit too much for him, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, friend, friends, you know, all them years ago, and and friends now, and, and, until one of us dies, anyway. And, and Dylan, um, what was he like as a midfield player? Because for me, um, it took Reading a very, very long time to replace Simon. Um, you know what he brought to the team. What, what was it that you felt and the other players felt that Simon brought to the to the team? You know, I've, I've got this thing of, of, of you know the football clubs like a jigsaw, and you've got to have the, the right pieces to fit in the right areas. You know, and he fitted alongside Parky. Uh, that that's what made it work, you know. And uh, well, you know, we Colin Lee spoke about how Parky used to play, and how we got better. 
Parky got better because of Aussie, you know, because they complemented each other, like me and Jiltsy, Scotty Taylor and Andy Bernal, you know, AD and Darius, AD and Keith McPherson, AD and Jeff Hopkins, you know, and obviously Quinny and uh, um, Archie Lovell. So every, they, they both, they, they come, and we all complemented each other. And that jigsaw just kept growing. And if there was an injury, that jigsaw piece had to be taken, another jigsaw piece had to come in, and it continued. And it's it, it, just the fact that, you know, he had the same, um, what's the word? He had the same energy and the love of the game that he wanted to be on the ball and he wanted to have that ball all the time. Same with me when Jiltsy had it. You know, you could see me running past Jiltsy. I wasn't a left back. I'm a left winger. You know, and, and I would go back to past Jiltsy and, and scream for that ball. And and, and that's what Ozzy used to do. I mean, <laughs> I used to ping balls into the corner or ping them up to Quinny and he'd go absolutely apeshit at me. You know, because he he, want, he wanted to do that. You know, he wanted to do that. And I always remember, uh, I mean, he scored that cracking goal at Oldham. I mean, and the volley against uh, Charlton. But the header against Wolves, that for me that was his best goal. You know, and you know he, I mean, he's only five foot three uh, on the best of days. You know, and... <laughs> in heels, yeah, in heels. <laughs> and uh, you know the way he jumped that day, and 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 basically it was, it was the the header, the technique in that header was 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 what what counted, not the goal that he scored. It was the it was the technique. And I think it was Parky that crossed it for him. You know, Parky couldn't cross the road. He might cross a football, you know. And uh, uh, on that day, uh, you know, they both might say, you know, Parky dinked it in and, and Ozzy just a little glance into, into the opposite corner. And I say, you know, that, that enthusiasm that he had, and, you know, he was, he was a crabby um, bugger as well. If, if, if things weren't going right, you know, he's one of them players who stand up in the dressing room and, and point the finger and say what he wanted to say. And again, you know, I don't think I don't think players and 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 I'm I'm only guessing this. I don't think players in the dressing rooms now do that to other players. I don't think the I don't think the, the, there's too much respect and too much niceness in that dressing room. You know that that you know if, if things are going wrong, you need to tell players. You need to point fingers. Um, we've all, obviously we spoke about uh, Jimmy Quinn volleying Scotty Taylor. I mean that was a given in training. Punch ups were a given in training. You know, you, you you can't see that now because <laughs> if somebody punches me, then I've got, I run straight to my agent and say, you know, I want to press charges or I want to sue him for him, you know, hitting me. It's, it's crazy. Uh, and Simon, before uh, before I bring Johnny back in, I just want to ask you, you know, just talk through some of your your best memories of, of your time at Reading. Obviously, the goals, you know, getting that first, the, the first initial goal at, at Barnsley away, I think it was, and... Just, you know, the first game of the season was a great day for us. We went up to Wolves, who were fancied, a lot of money spent on them. And to be fair, we battered them and should have won the game. Stowley, Mike Stowley, goal for Wolves had a, had a great game. And, they, you know, they got a bit of a, a sort of a luckyish goal there. But I just enjoyed it. It just, it just, um, I love training. I love playing. Um, and to get into that, it was just, all of them, all of them were great, to be fair. Most, you know, obviously the injury knocked me back a little bit for a while. But even coming back after that, we had the night at Bolton. I managed to somehow get one off the line. It might have been over. It'd be tight on bar now, I should think. But, you know, and then setting up the winner there. Little things like that. You know, Wembley to a point was great. The result obviously wasn't so, but I think we'd, we'd sort of run our race that season anyway, as we've talked about that previously. So the majority of that, I, I 
I enjoyed every moment of it. I didn't enjoy being injured. Um, but again, it was it was time to sort of knuckle down. The boys jumped in, had done fantastic. Paul Holsgrove came in, Tom Jones played some games. So as Dylan was saying there, people jumped into it and, and, and cracked on and we just kept going. And we were, at that time, even then, even I was injured, I was still a part of the squad. I was never felt, I never felt like I was out of it. I didn't feel, you know, there's other times I've been injured at other football clubs and you're kind of almost forgotten. I wasn't there, partly probably because I had to serve behind the bar and, and stock up and stuff like that. So I think that, that, but that was part of that as well. That was part of it. If you was injured, you served behind the bar. You stocked up the beers and you run the players bar. You know, that was, that was the difference. That was what we had. You know, we'd, you'd have to go and pick the beers up. You'd have to stock it up. And you'd be in there afterwards serving up. And then the, all the boys would come in. We'd have a couple of drinks and go across the rendezvous or whatever it was. And, and that, was, that was part of, part of being that squad. That was part. If you was injured, it might be me and Jeff Hopkins behind the bar. And people... I think people were shocked when they came in and saw us serving behind the bar. But I, you know, I've grown up in my dad, you know, uh, running on the team, so I've I've grown up in that environment. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. You know, it's just the grounding. It's just it's a football club. The players' bar money was sort of ours, and it, it, it paid for us for a night out deal, didn't it? You know, so you just you, we'd be in there. As I said, you'd be in there, serve a few people at halftime. At the end of the game, you'd be in there for an hour till all the boys had come in and and, and shut up and lock up and, and walk back out. So it was uh, it was great. Yeah, Johnny, I want to bring you in now, but just to give you a bit of warning, if you want to think about this uh, coming up, Simon, I do want to speak to you about Utopia, but I'm going to bring in um, Johnny now. Simon, when when you played at Reading or after you left us, who were some of the toughest players that you played against or the the best players and you went, wow, another level? Uh, I was fortunate to play against Gaza as as a young lad at Palace. So right. I was I, I was very lucky at Palace. I played against you know I played against Gaza. I played against Brian Robson, Paul Ince, obviously a former manager was a, was a a good player. Um, you just had some players that were just. It's funny Dylan just mentioned him. Richie Wellens was one of them players that you always played against that always did well yeah. against you. You know you had certain players that 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 did that. Again, we were, we were lucky. Uh, the season obviously finished there. Merce was playing for 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 Middlesbrough. Um, they were they were a very good side that season. Um, th- th- uh, there's probably too many to mention, to be honest, you. But they, I was very very fortunate to play against somebody. Played Glenn Hoddle was my idol, um, and I managed to play against him. He was playing for Swindon, so you know to see some of those players up close, it, it, it was it was you know it was great. It was amazing for me to see that. Ray Wilkins. I signed for QPR, obviously leaving Reading. Yeah. Again, another one of the guys that sort of my idols, and um, I was very fortunate to play against some 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 good players. Um, but again, it, it, again, people like said Richie Wellens was sticking it in your mind. I've, I got, I've got told. I don't think. I think I might have been at Wolves, and I got told to mark King Cladsey. So I've like, I've done a man-to-man job on King Cladsey. I've done a man-to-man job on Lee Clark, um, Tim Cahill. They told me to mark. It's it's funny because like Colin was a big one for stuff like that, and I remember him pulling me one Friday in a training session at Wolves, and it something wasn't quite working in the sort of gameplay. I can't think who it was was meant to be marking Cahill which was one of the young lads, he went away and scored and they stopped the session and Colin calls me over and basically spoils my weekend by going, you follow Tim Cahill wherever he goes, I don't care if you don't play the whole game. So you play a game, we get a result, he says well done, but you just feel like you've had a, a shit Saturday yeah. really because you haven't really yeah. done a lot. <laughs> but as I said to you, you do it for the team. That's the whole yeah. point of it. You do it for the team. And do you think that's kind of gone now? Players are a bit more about themselves. That is sometimes you think teams are struggling, especially players don't have that like, that you had with Dylan and the team, that team spirit that you really pulled it together when you needed to. Yeah, because I think if we were going through a little bit of a rough time or some things needed to be aired, we, you know, with the greatest respect, we'd, we'd 
get together on a Tuesday afternoon, as Dylan's talked about, and it probably leads on to Utopia, we'd we'd sit and have a bit of lunch somewhere in the George at Pangbourne and have a bite to eat and have a chat and a couple of beers and meet in town. And if there was anybody that had something to, to air, air it, you know, get it out in the open. If somebody's got a problem with somebody or somebody's not pulling their weight, we'd, we'd, um, we'd get it out in the open. You know, we'd get it out in the open and have a little chat about it. It wouldn't get, you know, the, 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 the frustrations be on the training field. This wouldn't, we you know, we'd never went to blows and, in Utopia, I might have seen a couple of the boys in the mosh pit, but that's about it. Um, but yeah, we we just have a chat, get over it, and then crack on to the to the next game, and it worked well that season. And Simon, I uh, just wanted to ask you about Utopia because it's sort of a legendary. I mean, I used to go to Utopia. I never never went on the on the Tuesday nights, but um, you know, it's for anyone of a certain age who who uh, sort of was in Reading. Utopia was was a big deal for a Friday or a Saturday night, uh, and of course it was had some sort of legendary status for for the Reading team as well, didn't you? Didn't it Tuesday nights? Tell us about some of your funniest memories, if you like, of Utopia. Well, like I said, it was a kind of a, I think it was student night, it was Tuesday night, so it was like a pound a pint, um, and we'd like I said we'd we'd hang ball, we'd have a couple of drinks, we'd park up myself and deal. Maybe I'd stay in curtains at certain times before I've got my flat. And um, we'd have a couple of drinks there, maybe a game of snooker, and then we'd end up meet the boys in town, TGIs, wherever it was, we'd have a few beers and then it'd just lead on. And not everybody would make Utopia, but the majority of us younger lads did. So we'd always end up in there a little bit late on in the night. It was a bit, yeah, it was student it was great. We'd have a laugh. And like I said, Chuck, there was, I remember the one evening, we'd stand up top and you could sort of look down onto the sort of dance floor. And obviously I'd be at the bar because I'd have to buy Dylan his drinks because he's quite tight from coming up north. So, I'd be stuck at the bar. That's the only reason I'd be at it, buying his drinks. So and you sort of have a look down. And then we had, I think there were, I think it was three lads. I think it was James Lambert, Scotty Taylor and Archie Lovell were jumping around in the mosh pit, basically elbowing students in the head, <laughs> back, bouncing around on the, on the back of that, literally elbowing people in the head. And you're looking down going, it's Tuesday night. They've trained all day. And it's like, we've got a game Saturday. I hope they don't get injured. I'm doing that. So there was things like that. I remember having a full blown round with, Mr. Madeski at Utopia upstairs um, prior to all the boys because obviously there was a lot of lads out of contract and we'd had a couple of drinks ourselves I can't remember what game it might have been after a game and um, I remember we sort of saying are you going to sort the lads out and keep this team together and me and him having a bit of a stand up row upstairs but next time I saw him he was good as gold but it didn't take any notice he still sold us all anyway so it didn't really matter Yeah Dylan bring you back in now I mean that was such a fantastic time to to be a, a Reading fan um and, and as you've talked about many times, you know, that team you were in. But what else do you remember about, you know, y- yourself and, and Simon, you know, on the pitch and, and off the pitch? What, what are some of your favourite memories with, with uh, Simon in mind? No, just like I said, we just, we, like, like I said, we just clicked. We, 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 we love playing football. We love playing for any football club and it, and it, and it worked for us, you know, and, you could always, you knew what you're going to get from Aussie. You know, he, he, if he had a bad game, you, you couldn't see it. You couldn't see it. And I'm not just saying this because he's on. You know, um, even though he just hammered me. And by the way, when he went to the bar, he bought me a pint <laughs> and he went a, a lemonade shandy. You know, a lemonade tops. Um, but, That's because uh, I was an athlete. That's because I was an athlete. Uh, no, 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 because <laughs> you're alive. <laughs> you, you Parkinson and Hopkins. You know the plant feeders. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I said, we we became re- I became really really good friends with. Uh, obviously, I was dating Rachel, and 
Oof, I've never mentioned their name. I haven't mentioned their name in years. I'll call you back just now. I'm on a podcast. Okay, okay thank you. Um, sorry about that. Um, and me and Billy, me and Billy, Rachel and Ozzy used to hang around all the time as, as much as we could. Um, and Ozzy will tell you that, you know, when Take That were obviously very, very big, um, they did a cover of Could It Be Magic, I think Barry Manilow's song. And me and Billy had this crazy dance routine, which was just hilarious. And and we actually performed it at her wedding, you know, and it ended up like, you know, we had to be on his knees and we did like, you know, these rollovers. And uh, we, ju- we just we just had this, you know, we just had this energy together. We, we, we love being around each other more than any of the other players. You know, obviously Parky and Suzanne didn't go out much. Jeff and Debbie... Uh, didn't go out much. Shaka and Desha, they they came out, you know. But me and Ozzy, Billy and and Rachel, we used to, uh, especially me and Ozzy, we we always we were up. We whenever we could go out, we went out. Dylan, who's who's Billy? Tell us who Billy. His is. wife. Uh, uh, okay, his wife. okay, right, got you. He's yeah. very very lucky that he married her. By the way, <laughs> I, know, I know she had a secret fantasy for me, you know, but. Well, I think, I don't know if you said something, but we, we seem to have temporarily lost Simon, so hopefully he'll come back. Let let me ask you both. Um, I'll start with you, Johnny, and then I'll ask the same question to, to you, Dylan, and hopefully uh, we'll get Simon back. Um, Johnny, do you think, you know, what, what do you think the chances are now of of this going to the last game of the season? Or, or do, you, do you get the feeling that, Huddersfield are, are going to do what they need to do against Sheffield United on Thursday. First thing is, I've never been to Utopia, and I'm very jealous. Oh, you've missed that. <laughs> I missed that big time. Yeah, they could come back. Um, and the football-wise, I look. I, I, I'll I'll be positive, and I hope, and 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 until it's a definite no, you know. And if 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 Sheffield United can get a result, and then we go for the next game, and we hope for the best. It's like if it's done on Thursday, then it's over. The, the funeral begins as such, but uh, until it's until it's out of the out of the window, we can't. I won't give up hope. But uh, yeah, like it, it's we got this point now, and you're like you. It, it's hard work. It's it's sad, yeah. isn't it? But uh, Mark, John, Al, Mark, Dylan, back in. Dylan, do you want to just say you got to go now, haven't you? So what what do you think? You got to you got to WhatsApp. This number to you've got to WhatsApp the link to this number. Ozzy's phone's died. He's got his other. He's got another phone. Oh, okay. Can you? Yeah. Do yeah. So, do you want to send oh, me the number? Uh, do you want me to tell you it now, or do you want me oh, to just send, just send it to me? Okay, perfect. I'll do right. it now. So, Johnny, um, my gut feeling is I think it's going to be all over on Thursday. Um, do you think it's a culmination of? Um, you know everything that's that's happened over the last few years. Yeah, I think we just run out of we've run out of luck. We've had a, you know we've had a few years where we've got lucky. You know different things. You know end of season runs and um, last season obviously that points deduction, <clears throat> and then the six points the six point deduction this time just really finished us off, isn't it? Without that, we'd be safe. Yeah, um, you know, and it's it's hard. It's horrible. It's horrible to see, but we've had it coming. Unfortunately, yeah. I think most people would agree. You know, you'd hope that we get through it, but it's it's there and it's it's you know. I remember I used to. Yeah. All right. Well, I say, no, I say like I remember the last day at Elm Park when we went down last time. 
Yeah. Well, listen, Johnny, I, I know you're uh, you're juggling your childcare. So um, we're, we're trying to bring Simon back in, but I'll come to you now, Dylan. What do you think um, the consequences will be for Reading if they do get relegated this season? Financially, it's going to be a disaster. Um, the academy will probably suffer. Um as Ozzy said, you know, you'd rather have a reserve team than an under twenty three team. This under twenty three team doesn't work. If you're if you're not a professional footballer by eighteen, nineteen, twenty is a push, then you're not going to make a professional footballer. You might be one out of one out of a hundred that might make it. But you know, the, the there's players that are, that should be playing regular football in the reserves uh, that are not in the squad that are coming back from injury. Uh, and they don't get that opportunity. We have the same thing here with it's called DDC, um, where it's under twenty three, and it's it's ridiculous that uh, most of the players are twenty two, twenty three years old, uh, and have got no chance of getting professional contracts. But you know, <laughs> it's how it's how football works in this country with, with, with agents and players and and, and chairmen that they they, they they do this in in this way, but. I think it. I, I think from a supporter's point of view, it's going to be devastating um, for for Reading Football Club. I've got a very very close friend, um, Jason, and I can't remember his surname right now. Who's, who um, was kind of semi related to Rachel um, when sorry, we were Jens. married? And oh, he's, sorry, he's a, here he is. Sorry, fellas, we have a phone died. I do apologise. And uh, he he's 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 already said to me. If Reading go down, he, he's going to come back. He's going to come back and watch Reading because he said he 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 got he got fed up for watching, you know, rubbish games. He got fed up with the way the way the club were in the direction the club were going. And he was a big big Reading fan, you know, um, and and he's and he's and he stayed away for a few years because he wasn't enjoying it. Mm. Um, and that, I think that's going to be the big catastrophe for 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 Reading Football Club is 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 the supporters, you know, and, and how it affects them. And, and it feels like it feels like a different club in a way, um, you know. To, certainly to your time, to Simon's time at, at Reading. Um, obviously, what Sir John Madaisky did um, took the club to a different level, and it does feel like a a different club in in a way. And I think a lot of fans feel that they need to get their identity back. Um, Simon, well, welcome back. We we wondered actually if you'd left because. Dylan started talking about um, Billy, your wife. And, oh, okay. Uh, we thought yeah, you might have been offended. You didn't hear anything you said, I don't think. No, probably not. I'll <laughs> listen back to it. If there's anything offensive, she'll sort him out, mate. I don't need to worry about myself. Yeah, do you feel that whether it's Championship or League One next season, do you feel it's all about getting that identity back, Simon? Yeah, as I spoke about earlier, it's getting that, that togetherness back again. I feel that it's very... It's very disjointed and very detached at the moment. I don't think the fans, as, as Dylan was saying there, that some people are staying away because they're not enjoying it. You know, there's been many conversations about would you like to see your side in the Premiership losing every week? I don't know. You know, fans want to be... It's a release. Fans want to be entertained. Fans want to go a Saturdays or a Tuesday night's a release. It's, it's, it's the build-up. It's part of, you know, taking the dad or the son or it's, it's getting together with a group of friends that you go to football with. It's a social event. Um, and that will never change. But when it gets to a point where it comes a little bit poisoned or a little bit, people are not enjoying that, it, it affects them. It affects them during the week. 
They then don't want to go on a Saturday because it affects their mood. They're not going to watch, you know, people always will go to a game. And if they see their team having a go, trying hard, if their quality is not quite there or they're just losing by the odd goal or something or a lot of injuries, they'll stick with the team. They, they will stick with the team. They're not going to change. They're not going to go from Reading and all of a sudden start supporting Oxford because it's around the corner and they're winning. That's not going to happen. They just want to go to a game. And as I said to you, they'll cut the pints beforehand, chat about the game. Even if they go away and something's happened and it's been a draw or it's been an entertaining game, they'll have those cut the pints afterwards. Um, and that makes their Saturday or makes their Tuesday night or Wednesday night or Friday night or Saturday afternoons and evening, whatever it is now you play. And that's that's the talking point for a couple of days. And, and it, it gets people through, um, gets them through the weekends, gets them through through life sometimes even. And, and when they're not enjoying going to football matches and not enjoying the team playing with some effort and endeavour and, and, and feel like the football club is is not part of them, they will stay away. And, it, and again, people stay away by, by talking with their feet, don't they? They don't come. Yeah. And Simon, I, I was asking um, Johnny and Dylan earlier, you know, your, your gut feeling, do you think that it, it could well all be over on Thursday when, when Huddersfield plays Sheffield United? Is that what you think? Or, or do you think it will go to the last game? I think it'll go to the last game. I think Sheffield United will beat Huddersfield. I do think that. The only thing is that, obviously, with Sheffield United being up or whatever it is, there's that tendency that they could switch off. I don't think they will, uh, personally, but I, I think it will go to the last game of the season Yeah, in, in my head. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me, and I'm just saying this because of Warnock. The Warnock yeah. factor, um, obviously, old club Sheffield United, Neil was at Huddersfield doing really well. There's that possibility that he will, you know, he'll, he'll get a result. Yeah, okay. Johnny, I'll bring you back in now. Have you got one last question for Simon before we let him go? Jeez. Um, don't put No, I just think, like, you know, where, where do you see, you know, if you're... What what can Reading do, I, I guess, team-wise? What do they need in League One? You know, what's the difference between Championship League One playing-wise, squad-wise, mentality-wise? Is there a, is it a huge drop? Uh, it's obviously I, I I've done that with Walsall and drop down. It, it's tough. What I think you need is you need a core. You need a real. You need as as we're talking about. You need a core. Dylan to talk about it, uh, and you build teams through through the core. You need a, a good core of experience. Goalkeeper, two centre halves, midfield. You need that core. You need a core of people that play in that division because there's a lot of games come thick and fast. Yeah. Um, you know, same as the championship. And it's a tough league to get out of. So you need that core. And then you need a little sprinkling of some younger guys in there. Because they're going to give you they're going to give you some excitement. You're going to do that. But you do need one or two little star players. You need somebody that's going to get you goals. You know, look at Wrexham. You know, we're talking about Parkey, obviously, because of, of what he is. You've got the best two centre forwards in that league. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out. You score goals, you're going to win games. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons that Wrexham have got what they are. I think Mullins got 40-plus goals again this season. It, it makes a difference. But you need, again, it, you need identity. You want a team that are reflective of, of the manager. So you want a high-intensity team. You want a fit, organised, disciplined team that are going to go out there and, and every single game, win or lose, are going to be consistent. And I think consistency is the key in any division, isn't it? If you, yeah. if you look at the teams that are consistent and have the know-how and have the little bits of spring the odd loan player in from a premiership that gives you a little bit of a buzz here and there. I think that's that's the sort of thing you've got to look at. And again, you'll get the odd academy guy that will come in, potentially, or a younger player that comes in and excites, doesn't he? But it, it, it's it's a tough league. 
those the, the, the leagues below the Premiership are tough leagues to get out of. They're not easy. You've obviously got the teams that yo-yo up and down between the Premiership. And then the League One teams, and you know, as you're looking at it now, those those same sort of teams are in and around the fight, uh, in and around the, the, the promotion places year in, year out. And it's a tough yeah. league. Yeah, and, and Dylan, I want to bring you in for one last question for Simon. No, I ain't. Hang on, two seconds. Oh, Dylan's, uh, Dylan's sorting out his Marumo Gallants team for the next game, I think. So, Simon, I'll I think he's on the phone to his agent. He's got a new move. He's got a move to Reading. <laughs> he's been watching this. Yeah, Paul. <laughs> Mark Bowen's <laughs> maybe on the phone to him now, but we'll, we'll see. Um, Simon, what what do you what do you think the future holds for Reading? Now, obviously, you've got a connection with the club, as you have with with other clubs, Wolves included, of course. But I, I know that Reading, you've you you've got a special place in your heart for Reading, haven't you? What what do you a, a bit like Johnny asked you earlier? What do you see the future looking like for Reading? You know, three, four, five years into the future. I think I think it's going to take a little bit of, of time to get it back to where it is. Yes, I've got an affinity for him because I, I felt that at the time in my career, as I talked about earlier, it, it springboarded me back to, to where I really want to be. I just think that they now need to, to make a conscious decision of which way they want to go and, and, and instill that from academy right away through into the first team there. Which way, what are we looking at? Are we going to now, are we going to go with a null? Is that the way we're going to go with a manager and stick with it? You know, and stick with it and give him the opportunity to build a team, build a squad, build a football club again, really, because you're kind of almost going back to the foundations and the fundamentals of what the, the fans want to see. You're going to rebuild that football club. You're going to re-engage with the supporters. You, you want to get that, you know, you want to get that feel-good factor between both of them. And again, once you get that, and as I said to you, the fans, the fans are not, they're going to moan. They're going to do what they're going to do. But if they see that you're giving it the effort, they can see a clear direction in the football club. Um, and the players giving it their all. And if you know, if you decide to play 11 young players, they'll probably stick with you. But they just need to understand it. Because at the moment, I think they're a little bit the blind leading the blind, if that makes sense. And I don't think they actually know what the football club, what the football club's long-term future is, what their philosophy is, what's the transfer policy. Are we looking to bring players in? Are we, are we going to be a feeder club for others? What is it? Does anybody really know? I don't think they do. And I think that's the, the biggest problem with it because there's too many grey areas there. And supporters, or supporters, players, anybody always looks for grey. Black and white's easy. The grey's always the difficult part. Yeah, and, and Dylan, bring you in. If you finish chatting to your agent about your next move, uh, I'd like to bring oh. you back in for the last question for Simon. No, like I say, you know, it's... Uh... If, if I got the opportunity, you know, I'd bring I'd bring Ozzy in just because of his infectious personality. You know, uh, not that he'd come now because he's he's got a great job and and he's he's happy doing what he's doing. But you know, <laughs> like he's saying about the identity, like he's saying about you know the fans not knowing what you know what's 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 black, what's white, what's grey, what's red and green. You know, they don't know what's blue and white is at the moment. They don't know what that that banner behind you represents. You know and you need you need you need a squad of players. You know, I'm old school. I've got to be old school because I played back in the day when football was what <laughs> uh, was enjoyable to play in. You know, you weren't under the media pressure that players are under now. Yeah, the VAR wasn't there, which is a disaster. As as I always tweet, I don't like it. And yeah, but you need you need. I I agree with that, Ozzy. He needs an identity. The club needs an identity, and um, you know you need uh, whoever gets the job. 
they've got to bring the right people into the club that's going to you know mirror what the manager or the head coaches they or now wants. You know, the club have got to give the the, the opportunity for that coach to, to implement what he what he thinks is right for the club with the with the players that he's got uh, and the players that he wants to recruit and 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 get the young players get the young players back in. We spoke about this a long time ago, Johnny. About uh, I think it was like five or six games ago uh, when when Ince was in trouble that you know he needed to put in some young players and some fresh players and fresh legs. That that scares the hell out of senior players. They don't want to not be playing. You know, and if you get you get your position taken by a 16, 17, 18, 19 year old, then you know you're in trouble. You know, and 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 that gives you a bit of a kick in, in you know in up the backside to start to to play better. Um, and and I think that's where whether they stay up or go down. And I agree with Ozzy. I think it's going to be um, a cracker of a, ge- a game. Uh, the John Smith Stadium. I think it's called the John Smith Stadium now, but Uddersfield um, Town. And I know that Reading fans hate Neil Warnock and I think Neil Warnock hates Reading fans. So it's going to be an absolute great game. I hope it's not decided uh, on Thursday. Um, but again, Neil Warnock doesn't like Sheffield United as well. So he'll probably be... Uh, and obviously, he didn't like Cardiff as well. Oh, and Dylan, put, uh, oh, lights have gone off. You haven't paid your electric it's, bill again. He's got to put 50 back in that meter. Put 50. Oh, can I ask a quick question to Dylan? Yeah, go on. He's in the dark. Are you, are you back, Dylan? Put your 50 pence in your meter from your from your TV from Rumbelows. <laughs> huh? Oh, my. I don't think you'll be... Are you still... Am I still on? Because Yeah, we can, see, we can see. You look like a ghost, but go on. Yeah, you're just... Dylan, if this you is, had the opportunity right now, Dill, this is a question for you now, and Reading came to you and offered your job, would you take it? Oh, in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And and, and I would I would take it, Ozzy, because what I've learned here in this country, you know, it, it, you know, it's 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 insignificant, you know, from European football uh, on a on on every level. You know, the things I have to deal with, the problems I have to um do and, and take you know charge of you know it's, it's it's been a massive learning curve and I've the thing I've proved to myself and proved to the clubs that I've worked from as Mark said since 2015 no 2014 when I when I started in Vietnam you know I get my players to play I get my players to enjoy coming to work I get my players going home knowing that they've done something and knowing that they're going to come the next morning and, and do the same thing. And, you know, it's repeat, repeat, repeat. And there's so much, like you said about pro licenses and A licenses, there's so much video analysis now. There's iPad coaches, as they call, that think they know the game on an iPad, but when they're on the field, they haven't a clue what they're doing. You know, I'm a strong believer in uh, five-a-side, small-sided games, one-touch, two-touch. I'm, I'm, I'm a strong believer in getting, as we were at Reading, we come to training, we loved it. We loved it. Whether Colin was taking it or Dingus, Matt McGee, Dingus, I can't believe I've called him that. Uh, Matt McGee was 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 playing five of sides and he was, well, I think you were the last pick. Uh, Dingus was the, the second last pick in the five you of sides. That's what you've got to do. And I don't think, and we spoke about it before on previous podcasts, I don't think that, that that's happening. I think players now get overcoached. Uh, players get uh, trapped in this thing, well, uh, Queen's Park Rangers play this way and uh, Blackpool play this way and 
Sheffield United play this way. Screw them. You know, it's what we do. We never we never worried about opposition. We never did a video, video analysis on opposition. But Colin Lee made sure that we were in sync, you know, with everybody come Thursday and Friday or against the opposition that we were playing. You know, and, and, and we grew from that and we developed from that and we got better and better and better. Um, unfortunately, the, the, the playoff final, you know, killed that momentum. Uh, and, and the club kind of went, took a couple of backward steps after that, um, after what we'd built in them two seasons. So I would, I would, I, I doubt if I'd be even interviewed or I'd be even asked. Um, obviously, if I'm honest, but, but you can never say never. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, true. well, listen, Simon, thanks ever so much for joining us. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure uh, to have you back on. Um, thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Dylan. Good luck, Dylan. Um, and on tomorrow's episode, we're joined, we're joined by Reading's all-time top appearance maker, Martin Hicks, tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we're joined by Trevor Senior. So um, just leaves me to say thank you to Dylan, to Johnny, and of course, to Simon. Thanks very much, Simon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.